years ago, <clears throat> we were traveling, and uh, we were going through uh, Iowa, and we stopped at the I-80, world's largest truck stop, and uh, we're exploring there. They have books there, and if there's books there, I'm going to look at books, and so I'm looking at a book, and I found a book of dad jokes, <laughs> and my kids are asking, what do you want for Father's Day? I'm like, well, buy this for me. That'd be fun, a, a book of dad jokes, and uh, since then, I've received other books of dad jokes, and on uh, Facebook, if we're friends and you know this, I try to share as many dad jokes as I can, and so if we're not friends on Facebook, just send me a request, we'll become friends, and you will get your daily dose of really bad dad jokes. Here's a few from last week. What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? One is really heavy, the other is a little lighter. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I just think they're so funny, I can't. <laughs> I know they're dumb, but they're funny. All right. Um, my neighbor rang my doorbell at 3 a.m. Can you believe it? Luckily, I was still up playing the drums. <laughs> All right. I have a pen that can write underwater. It can write other words, too. <laughs> All right. That's enough for today. It's hard being a dad. It's a challenge. It's a challenge being a parent. It's just, it's the hardest thing uh, you'll ever do. Talked about that with moms last month, but uh, I'm not going to talk specifically to dads today, but before we do, I just want to talk to the men for just a moment because every now and then I'm asked to speak at men's events or a conference or a, a get together or a small group, and I always talk about three words, because I believe these are the callings of every man, that, that the Bible gives us this calling as men, whether you're a dad or not a dad, that we have three callings as men, and the first calling is love, that we're called to love. We love like God loves. We're a representation of the Father in heaven, and so we love our families. We love our neighbor. We, we love God. We we love other people. That's our first of the big three callings that we have. Then we lead. Men are called to lead. And when I talk about leading, it's not to lord it over people, but to provide direction and hope, to provide clarity and to lead well. That's our calling as men. And then finally, to feed. I believe that God asks fathers to provide for their families. And that as men, we're actually called to give more than we receive. We're called to be givers. That's what we're called as men. These are the big three for men that we're called to love, lead, and feed. And if we're doing that, we're fulfilling our calling. And I think a lot of men are looking for their purpose. They're looking for their destiny. They're looking for their calling. They're looking, how can I be satisfied in life? You want to be satisfied in life? Fulfill your calling to love, lead, and feed. Amen. I'm getting an amen. Awesome. I love it. It's a difficult day, I realize, for some. Some who have lost their dads or, or, or don't know their dads or had dads that um, just weren't there for whatever reason. And um, I'm grateful for my dad. There's a legacy that um, is being lived out 
even this week in his life, in his 80s, going to India for the 40-something time. And I had a dad who loved me, provided for me. I always felt safe at home. I always felt loved at home. And um, I know that's not the case for a lot of people, but maybe what you don't know uh, about our families, that really started with his dad. Because before his dad, the Merrill men were a bunch of trouble. They were. There were addictions. They did not take care of their families. They abandoned their families. Uh, they weren't a good group of guys. But Grandpa, before my dad, he said, not anymore. We're changing the legacy. And, and, um, <clears throat> and so you can change the legacy. You can change the legacy. And the, the interesting thing is that, that my grandfather doesn't get to see my life or my kid's life or the legacy as it continues. He just began that legacy. You need to begin a legacy that you may never see Amen. in the life of your children or the life of your grandchildren. And um, I know that I have good memories, but some of you don't even have any memories of your dad. Or the memories that you have aren't very good ones, and there's some deep father wounds. And I think the father wounds are so deep is because we know that men are called to be like God, to love, to lead, to feed. And when they don't do that, it, it breaks our heart. And so uh, today, as we open the scriptures, let's look to our good, good father. Um, because even if we have a great earthly dad, he's no comparison to our heavenly father. We try to be good dads, but, but really we, we make mistakes all along the way, and, and we all have regrets, and we all need grace, but, but God is merciful. He's good, and let our Heavenly Father bring the help and the healing and the hope that we need today, if you need that hope. We're going to open the Bibles to Romans chapter 5, and that'll be our scripture for today, and, and we'll talk to dads, but we're talking to everyone because it's the Word of God. And we begin in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we, are, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they will help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strength, strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know that we are dearly, that how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When you look at this passage of Scripture, and I hope that you have it open in front of you, there are some tremendous blessings and promises from God in this passage of Scripture. That, that Jesus has made us right with the Father and that we have undeserved righteousness, that we are partakers in God's glory, that he loves us so much. We are at peace with God. You look at this, it talks about God's kindness, his love. It's, we're righteous, we're whole. There's joy, faith, hope, glory, all these words here. What a wonderful promise in this passage of Scripture. And then it ends by saying, He's given you the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We talked about that a little bit last week in, in Pentecost Sunday, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, all these great and precious promises. And so as I was opening this passage of Scripture to preach this week, and I was like, okay, God, what do you want to bring out of this passage of Scripture? And I kept going back, and I don't know why, but I kept going back to the middle part of that passage. And in the middle part of the passage, it talks about trouble and suffering and pressure and endurance. Sandwiched between all the blessings and the promises, it, it talks about that we need to rejoice in our pain and our trials. And I began to ask, why do we have to go through this trouble? Why do we have to go through, through this suffering? Why do we have to have this pressure in our life to get to the hope, to get to the glory, to get to the promises? And I want to talk about it today because we all feel the pressure of life. Speaking as a dad, we feel pressure as a dad, don't we? You feel those pressures to love and lead and to feed. You, you feel that pressure, but dads feel it, yes, but I know moms feel it. And sometimes they feel it even deeper than dads do. And so it's not a wife or a husband or a dad or a mom or a husband or a wife or man, woman, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, we all feel those pressures. We feel that trouble, those trials. And when we have those in our life, it's difficult to feel the presence of God. It's hard to feel God's presence if all I can see are the trials and the pain and the suffering and the, and the pressure of life. And so when that's all I see, we begin to ask, well, where are the promises? Where is the hope? Where's that joy that you promised? And when we begin to then be surrounded by this pressure, we begin to ask God questions. There's some questions that will be on the screen, and, and, and these are just questions we ask. We ask, why aren't your promises being fulfilled? When trouble comes and, and we say, why does it seem like I'm always going backwards? Why does it seem like nothing is going right? Why aren't you moving in my life? God, where are you? Because we can't feel God because all we see are the pressures of life. And let me declare this to you today. That no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, God is with you. You are not alone. I know these questions may come to our mind, but I want you to know that God is with you right now, whatever you face. And that we're called to seek him in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the trouble and the pain. And that God will always use these circumstances in our life to bring us to our destiny. God will use those difficult moments in your life. And like I said earlier in our prayer time, this is a theological point, but it is so important. God does not cause the trouble in your life. We live in a fallen and a broken world. Some things, it's things that we've done or other people have done to us, but it's not God doing it to you. Like I said, Jesus did not put sickness on people, he took sickness off. He did not lay burdens on people, he took burdens off. That's who Jesus is, and he was a representation of the Father. And so God doesn't cause these things in your life, but listen to me, he's going to use those things in your life. 
Here's the other part of it, though. Your enemy wants to use those things as well. God wants to use those things for your good. The enemy wants to use those things to destroy you. And you need to figure that out right away. Because God is not going to waste the bad things in your life. He doesn't waste anything. And you are not defined by the bad things in your life. You are being prepared by those things for your destiny. Because God does work all things together for good. He promises in, in his word. Every time you open your Bible, Romans 8.28 is still going to be there. Because in all things, he works together for good. And that means that sometimes the problems in my life are actually going to help me. They're actually going to bring a blessing to me. Now, no one in their right minds wants trouble, right? But you don't have to fear trouble. You don't have to fear it because God is going to use it. And that pressure that we feel, it's that same pressure that, that takes a lump of coal and turns it into a diamond through pressure. God's going to use that in your life. In the Biosphere Project that they uh, built the glass dome and uh, they wanted to make a perfect living conditions in case there's any natural disasters that they could live in these perfect conditions. And so they had built this biosphere and several years into it, the trees began to fall over. And the reason the trees began to fall over is because inside the biosphere, there's no wind. And so these trees would grow and their roots would grow, but there was no resistance with the wind. They never had to fight the wind. They never got stronger, and so the roots were weak, and these trees got so heavy, they just started falling over because there was no resistance. And sometimes in our life, the problems that we have in our life, that resistance is actually making you stronger. And sometimes God wants to say, you're actually even stronger than you think you are. And he's working that out inside of us. Now, I talked about seeking God when we go through trouble. And I, I want to make this point, and I want you to listen to me very clearly, because you may say, yes, I feel the pressure, the pain, and I really am seeking God. Sometimes we're say, we say we're seeking God, and we really are talking to God. So we say we're seeking God, but we're not really seeking God. We're seeking answers. We're seeking God, but we're not seeking him for himself. We're seeking to say, God, why are you doing this to me? So we say we're seeking God, but we're really seeking answers. And when you are seeking answers, you're not focusing on God. You're focusing on yourself. And when you focus on yourself, that's not a good place to be. Because then, instead of seeking God, you're actually complaining. And I want to tell you, God hates complaining. And you may say, well, I'm a complainer. Does he hate me? No, he doesn't hate you. He hates complaining. You want to know why he hates complaining? There are studies, scientific studies done, medical studies done, that, that looks at people who are negative and complaining that it actually destroys their health. It destroys their mind. And, and God, said, God hates anything that destroys you. That's why he hates sin so much. And he says, I hate that. Don't do that. And don't have this pity party. Don't have this victim mentality. Oh, God, I deserve more. Listen, you're not going to get what you deserve by complaining, by throwing this pity party. It's not coming. That negativity is actually going to steal the energy and the strength that you have. And what we have to do is we have to put our minds in God and focus on him. Every Bible character 
every powerful Bible character that we look to, they all went through this time of pressure, this time of suffering. Let's give you a few real quickly here. There's Joseph. God made some big promises to Joseph very early on as a young man. He said, look, everybody, including your dad and your brothers, are going to bow down before you. That promise was given to Joseph, but then his brothers sell him into slavery. And then he tries to do his best and do what's right, and he's falsely accused and ends up in prison. And then it takes years and years in prison to finally get out and, and see Pharaoh, and then he does become, finally becomes second ruler in all of Egypt, and his father and his brothers do bow down. But it took decades and decades of suffering to get to the promise. I think of Job who tried to do everything right, and he really, really tried to do everything right. He tried to be a good dad and a good husband. He tried to do everything right, and he loses everything. I think of David, who was a young man, and even as a young man, he had a heart after God, and as a young man, he is anointed king of Israel. As a young man, he acts in faith, and he kills Goliath, and he does all these things with a heart after God and big faith, and Saul gets so jealous, he just chases him down, trying to kill him. Takes him decades and decades to become king. And then I think in the New Testament of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was obedient to the call of God on her life, even though there would be suffering with that call, she takes on that call of obedience. And when Jesus is born eight days in the temple, the first prophetic word over her life by Simeon is, you will suffer many things. All she did, this, this teenage girl was just being obedient, but you're going to suffer many things. And, and then as a little boy, they have to run away because Herod wants to kill all the children. And she has to watch people reject her son his whole life until he dies on a cross. And then I think of Jesus. who, When he begins his ministry, he becomes completely obedient, completely surrendered to the Father and to the Father's will. Okay, Father, here we go. Where's the first place Jesus goes? To the wilderness, all alone, being tempted of the devil. And when I look at this over and over and over again in Scripture, I say, God, isn't there a better way <laughs> to get to our destiny, to get to your promise and your hope and your glory? Isn't there a better way through, and through sufferings? Don't you have a better way, God? I mean, after all, you are God. Isn't there a different way? I'm going to ask you to turn your attention toward the screen and watch this video that's a parable called Abandon. It comes from John Bevere and his uh, ministry, Messengers International. But watch this, and then we'll come back together around God's Word. Everybody has a hero. Okay. Mine's my dad. Yes, I can. Since mom died, it's only been us. He has a way of filling my life with color. Dad, which one? That one. Sometimes I don't understand his advice, but I trust him. And what always brought us together was our love for running. One day, I'll be faster than him. And when I am, I'm going to win every marathon in the world. Abby? What's wrong, champ? Or at least that was my plan. 
I'm losing my sight. And real quick, read to me the lowest level that you can see on there. What is called is interocular melanoma. Eye cancer. Unfortunately, you will lose your vision. That was the day my father disappeared. Okay. Dad! Wakey, wakey. Ready to run, champ? Come on. I thought he would always be there for me. I guess I was wrong. Dad, where are you? You abandoned me. Where are you, Dad? Where did you go? Do you not love me anymore? Am I still beautiful? Are you no longer proud of me? the most. Dad. Dad. Dad, why did you leave me? Abby thinks I've left her. And as much as it pains me to hear that, she's right. I've left her. The best that we can do is can save the actual eyes so that cosmetically she doesn't lose them. That's my girl. That's my girl. That's my little girl. I've left her to realize she's more courageous than she ever imagined. I've left her to discover how beautiful she is from the inside out. I've left her to challenge herself in ways she never considered. I've left her to discover how strong she really is. How far you've come. My dad says he gave me what I needed, not what I wanted. You ready? Yep. Folks, what we're seeing here is amazing. This is 
a testament of true love. Love is allowing someone to see their true worth and beauty. I used to think my dreams were over. I thought I'd never run again. And even though I can't see my dad, I know he's guiding me the entire way. No one believes in you more than God. God is for you. He's not against you. The enemy's against you. He will try to steal, kill, and destroy. He will lie to you. But God, he's for you. And no one believes in you more. And no matter how you feel in this moment of your life, God is with you. Think of Job and what he wrote in chapter 23. He said this because God felt so far away from him. He said, but if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way I take and he has tested me and I will come forth as gold. Job is saying, I've looked in every single direction and I don't see him, but I know he's there. Look at these next couple verses. It says, my feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. What Job says here is, I seek the Lord, and I seek his word. And that's what we're called to do in those pressure moments of life, in the troubles, in the pain, in the questions. Seek God. Look at his word. Look and remember there are promises in his word. And yes, there is a wilderness, but there's also peace and love and joy and hope. And there is a work that God is performing in you. And no matter how long it takes or what you walk through, you will say, as all of the characters we looked at, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. Our friend Mark Batterson says this, that what if the circumstances you're asking God to change are the very circumstances God is using to change you? What if you're saying, God, please change this, take this away, or bring something else? What if God's using that right now in your life? And let me just say this, because we find ourselves at very different ages in this place. But I'm going to say this, that every season of your life has a purpose. Every season of your life has a purpose. Everything you go through has a purpose. God is faithful in every season of your life. It's our calling to be faithful to him in every season of our life. That we would be faithful to the one who is faithful to us no matter the circumstances because God is coming with his promise to rescue. No one believes in you more than God. God gets you. He really does. He knows the beginning to the end. He knows you frontwards and backwards. He knows your every step, every decision, every consequence, every failure, every victory. He knows it 
all. He knows your story better than you know it yourself. Do you trust him? Because no one believes in you more than God does. There's a pathway we all walk through, and then we see it in the life of the, the, the Bible characters we looked at. We see it in, in the Scripture. There's just a path we have to walk, and first we get God's promise. Number two, we go through the process, and then finally we get the promotion. We have the promise or the glimpse of something in God's Word, a glimpse of our destiny, but then we walk through the process. See, in order for a seed to grow, it has to go into the ground and die. It has to go where it's dark and where it's wet and under the earth. And, and it's at that point that it begins to grow. And sometimes we feel like we're in our wilderness and it feels like this is the worst moment of our life, but sometimes it's the worst moment of our life before it's the best moment of our life. And we have to realize that there's a process we go through until finally in that promotion that... His promises are fulfilled in our life. And that's the path we take in this life. What do we do in this process? And this is just one thing I'm going to give you to do before we go today. This is what I want you to do. I want you to check your attitude. And what I mean by that is that your attitude through the pressure, through the pain, through the trial, your attitude is your choice. God is saying, well, how are you going to deal with this? What are you going to do with this? Are you going to, as James says, count it all joy when you walk through trials? Even in the midst of difficult situations, am I going to count it as joy? Am I going to pray with the right attitude, not asking God why or to give an answer, but just to seek him? We can't let our problems destroy us. What we need to do is have that heart after God to check our attitude and use that attitude as a bridge to get over the process, to, to endure through the suffering, to move past those times of pressure, and to keep going and to never give up. Paul understood this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, Persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. What hope, what faith. And that's what God wants in you, that hope and that faith. And let me tell you, when you put your hope in God, you will never be disappointed. It says in Romans 5, 5, our last verse one more time, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? And before we go today, we're going to sing it again and raise a hallelujah one more time. Because no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, it is not our destination. It's just preparing us for something greater. God is at work inside of us. And so we're going to worship the Lord through the process, through the pressure, through the pain. And let me tell you, the promises of God that are in Romans chapter 5, I'm going to tell you, they are yes and amen. They are true. You are righteous. You are in good standing with God. You are blessed. You are favored. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have all these things. So if we do have suffering and pressures and trouble and trials, it's just working together for our good. That God is doing something in the midst of it. Don't let the enemy win in your life.
Check your heart. Check your attitude. Seek God. Don't seek answers. I love what we, we sing. Raise a hallelujah in the midst of the mystery. Even when we don't understand, raise that hallelujah. In the presence of your enemies, raise that hallelujah. The enemy wants to destroy you, but God wants to give you abundant life. God, thank you that you are for us and not against us, that you believe in us and you have good things for our lives. God, thank you that isn't for a precious few, but it is for all of us who are in you. And God, I thank you that uh, we may be going through one of the most difficult moments of our life, but we also know that your promises are true, that there is a promotion coming, that there is a rescue coming. And Lord, we will worship you and raise a hallelujah even in the midst of whatever we're going through. Would you stand with me?